Welcome to the latest episode of EG Like Sunday Morning, on which I am delighted to be joined not only by our own news editor par excellence, Pui Guan Man, but two very special guests here to discuss with us the results of EG's latest LGBTQ plus attitudes and actions in real estate survey. May I introduce Kelly Canterford, founder of Tigru Consulting, and Misa von Tunzelman, Head of Corporate Affairs and Marketing Europe at Lendlease. Kelly is co-chair and Misa is a board member at Freehold. Uh, and we're speaking fresh from Freehold's annual conference at which Pui presented the results of our survey. Uh, so I should ask first, how was the conference? And I, I hope it was somewhere nice and air conditioned. Yes, it was it was beautiful. It went it went very well. Um, we held it at British Land Story Space just around the corner mm-hmm. from your office, actually. And it was beautifully air conditioned, uh, wonderfully catered. Um, so we're all feeling pretty, pretty good now. Excellent. Um, and of course, uh, we was there to present the results of our survey. So to let's dig into the results uh, of of that survey. And, and let's start with the positive. Uh, it does seem that uh, while progress is gradual. Overall, we are recovering from a bit of a step back uh, that was experienced in our survey results in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic. And I suppose that one headline figure to note, Pui, is that almost three quarters of respondents to the survey, the majority of whom identify as LGBTQ+, said that they would recommend the industry as a good place to work to the LGBTQ community. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, um, I mean, there's still on the whole, I think the serv- the survey showed kind of a, a nudge in the in the right direction, but just mm. just a just a nudge, but it wasn't quite the the push we were hoping for, I don't think, um, really. But but in terms of um, well, as you say, I think um, you know, the the LGBTQ plus community has felt, I think, um, a bit happier about being themselves um, at, at the workplace. Um, and that's been that was reflected in the results of 76 um, percent mm-hmm. yep. um, said that they felt um, that, that they could be completely out at work, which is which is fantastic. But um, yeah, there's there's still there's still more that, that needs to be done, um, I think. I think for me, it, it's very heartening, you know, having worked in this industry for so long to see so many people feeling comfortable because it certainly wasn't like that when I joined the industry in 2004 Mm -hmm. um so that that's great I I did think for me one of the pieces that really stood out was the number of people who wouldn't feel comfortable being out in front of their clients Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was just under half actually Mm -hmm. wouldn't feel comfortable with all of their clients and about 11 percent saying they wouldn't they wouldn't tell any of their clients Mm -hmm. which which still seems like quite a way to go it is I think there was an interesting point made in the room but it's which clients mm. so you start to ask who are the clients that they're happy to be out with and who are the ones that they are concerned around revealing their, their authentic self because of the impact that it could have work-wise not only for them but potentially for the rest of the team as a client I guess it's one of the problems that real estate is obviously an international industry and there are clients coming from different parts of the world some of some places where attitudes to LGBTQ plus uh, inclusivity and diversity are not uh, the same as they are in the UK. Is that is that a major issue? I think it could be part of the issue, but I, I do think some of it is actually just about client organisations and individuals being more openly accepting mm-hmm. and being allies. Because I think sometimes there's a concern, maybe that a client wouldn't like something or you don't want to risk a piece of work when actually there's no issue with that client. 
Mm. It's just a, a fear. Yeah, you end up with that thing where people, you've got that historic sentiment of, yeah. no, you can't do this. No, we have to behave, behave in a certain way, which I think you you've, don't realise how long that perpetuates as a as a feeling. So it might be that you joined the team, you think it was only last year, but you've been on the team three years and values have changed. So you are able to be out. The client has changed. The people within the client relationship team have changed and so it is more open and more receptive but you still have this thought process perhaps from when you first joined I know I've had that yeah. with clients in the past I, I remember when I came out at JLL and I'd worked with these people for 10 years and a very senior colleague came up to me and said oh my you know one of my siblings is is LGBT and I had no idea it had never been mentioned. And I thought it would just have been really nice if that had have been mm. mentioned. Mm. Um, and, and I think now people are more aware of that and I think are starting to have those sorts of conversations more. Mm. But it, I think it would be really great if more client organisations could do that more more openly. And we had, uh, we pick out a number of um, uh, reasons given by respondents to the survey as to why uh, they prefer not to be out either at the workplace or with clients. And, and one of the main reasons that is cited in the survey is a lack of visible role models in the workplace. Um, how do you think uh, things are progressing on that front? I mean, uh, yourselves are, uh, are fantastic examples of visible role models in the workplace and, and the work that Freehold does contributes to that. But on a wider level, you know, how how much more do you think needs to be done? Oh, there's always more to be done, isn't there? Mm. And I think and also ask the question of visible role models at which level, because it's mm. all very well having senior people that are out. But depending on your time in the industry and who you can see around you might make you check what you do and who how you are yourself. Mm. Uh, I think with Freehold, we encourage people to be part of our mentoring programme so that there are more people engaging in that uh, and so they through that they become visible and they become role models but certainly we, we've just uh, taken on four new board members and it was a really interesting process because in some of the interviews a couple of people said we've never heard of freehold and I, I was a bit shocked because mm. we get, we've we've got a great relationship with eg so we get mm. a lot of coverage from you but it makes us realize that actually there are silos in the industry that are doing things well and there are aspects who aren't doing so well and I wonder if that's where the we need more visible role models comes in so mm -hmm. I know construction was called out a couple of times in the survey of with some of the behaviors maybe there's more role models needed in construction um yeah. so it, it's where where do we need those absolutely it, if people are comfortable be out be be vocal but it's also personal choice and that in itself comes back to the culture we're creating. Do people feel comfortable being out, being outspoken mm. to be that role model? I think there is also something around who those role models are. I think it's fantastic that we have them because going back, we didn't have, mm. you know, we didn't have very many at all. But just because of the nature of our industry, a lot of those role models are 
you know, white men. And and it's it's great that they're out and and I thank them for that because it's made my uh, life much mm. easier. But mm. I think we need more female role models. We need more trans role models. We need more, um, you know, black LGBT people, Asian LGBT people mm. and, and allies um, so that you can, you know, you can see yourself. That was the um, thing that came up today as well, um, having role model allies. Mm-hmm. And, and so demonstrate how you can be the person that's speaking up and calling out the behaviour. And I think the more outspoken allies you have, the more the small little snippets of banter or poor behaviour become less acceptable because there are more people demonstrating, I'm not going to stand for this. So I think it goes both ways mm. with who we can mm. have as role models. Mm. Yeah, I think we'll we'll return to that that idea of allyship in a little while, Kelly, because of course you've written for us uh, this week, uh, and we'll dig into that a little bit. But um, and you mentioned construction as being one of the areas in the in the survey highlighted that is maybe performing less well than others, uh, and um, there's also uh, transactions and capital markets seems to be the toughest area to work in for LGBTQ plus professionals. Yeah, well, so around um, uh, around half of respondents labelled transactions and capital markets as the least inclusive part. And that hasn't really shifted, actually, since we started the survey in 2017, unfortunately. So it was 51.4 mm. percent. Um, back then and now it's 48%. Um, and so there is still clearly this kind of mindset around it being a kind of an old boys club, really. Yeah. And I, and really the onus is on, on those teams to see well, what, what we can do to try and shift the dial on that, because it's quite obvious as that, you know, there's a lot of power there to, to influence and, and bring about change, but then it's just a question of how we bring yeah. bring that forward. Um, and it does seem to be still the area that's kind of the laggard. Um, yeah, I don't have the figures in front of me, but I would imagine that area also performs poorly in terms of other diversity as well. Yeah, um, well, uh, yeah, I, I suppose so. You mean the wider picture yeah. of... Yeah, the wider picture. So what, what, what do you think can be done... Uh, to challenge the culture in that type of sector, that type of industry that that maybe seems more resistant than most to to change. Well, it's quite tricky, isn't it? I suppose there is. I mean, I was just talking about this with someone in the room earlier because mm. actually, quite a lot of it does um, is still reliant on that socialising aspect of it. And, and you mm-hmm. know, I, it's really more of a conundrum, really, than I can think of a solution necessarily. But it's I, I think some of it, though, is is that vocal ally piece, mm-hmm. um, vocal role model piece and actually also the clients. If you take some of the clients of those organisations, um, you know, the insurance companies, the pension funds, et cetera, they, they actually have moved quite a long way. Mm-hmm. And I think when you start to see clients requiring diverse teams I'm talking about diversity in its widest sense um and when you start to see that happening which which we have seen over the last sort of five to ten years I think that starts to starts to move the needle a bit I think historically and I, I used to um do the marketing for the capital markets team my first um job in real estate and it's a it's a tough job actually you know, there's a lot that is riding on you and your personality to get those deals done. Um, so I think I can understand a little bit where some of that comes from, some of those sort of egos, because actually you do need to have 
something about you to be able to do what you do. I think the challenge for us and, and you know, you don't necessarily want to say that that entire culture has to change. It just needs to expand. You know, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to do a transaction. It's not my, you know, it's not my skill. Um, but but just to just to broaden out so that so that you can find people from different demographics that also have those kind of those kind of skills, those kind of personalities, and that can be a part of it. Um, so I, th- I think it's I think it's that. And, and once you get a few people in, mm. they they always say, don't they, when you look at um, statistics on women on boards, for example, you know, one woman is great two women make a difference um you know it's when you start to get a critical mass and actually you need 30 yeah, yeah yeah i think that's an interesting thing around uh, expanding because people when you talk about diversity people are assuming you want them to change there is a an element of change to it but it's not asking to change your behavior it's a mm. modification and perhaps recognizing people around you are different and i think and that there's a lot of research around it with people uh, and it's, it came up with breathe this morning when times get tough when there's a challenge people look for the differences and that's the point that they will use to separate themselves from and that can so the reverse of that being when I need to when the going gets tough I'm going to get my people around me and we're going to close ranks and it, it's almost saying to them okay look at your ranks you you might be able to achieve more with different people in there there might be and you think about where money comes from now it's not that it's changed so much hasn't it so you could start speaking with people that all of a sudden opens you up to this whole new resource whole new start type of funding that wouldn't have been there if you keep in the same networks it's interesting what you say about um things being led by clients because we, we see with the with the E of ESG, how much um, the world has changed from the, the demands from investors uh, and, and, and clients for companies to, to, to demonstrate their green credentials. Uh, and, and that pressure sort of changed, has, has sort of changed whole ethoses of, of, of the real estate profession over the last decade. So with the S of, of ESG encompassing di- diversity and inclusion, you, you could see how um, if if that kind of pressure was coming from from investors uh, and and banks and what have you that that the capital um, markets and and that the sectors that are you know behind the curve um, could could very quickly sort of be inspired to to catch up. I think we are seeing a change. Mm. You know, it, it's whilst it's the area perhaps that's the slowest to change, mm. it probably had the furthest to go. I do mm-hmm. also think you get a bit of a lag with any study. You know, if you ask questions about all sorts yeah. of things, I know this from market research, you know, it takes time for people's attitudes to catch up. So whilst I'm I'm not saying there's nothing to do because clearly there is, um, I, I think I think we're on a trajectory um, in terms of broader inclusion, um, which I, I hope within our sector we will we will see uh, more change coming through. And, and what were some of the other key findings that you, you highlighted today, Pui? Oh, oh, I don't know. I feel like we've we've <laughs> talked about quite a lot of them. I think <laughs> on the main ones um, at the moment. I think. Um, 
um, you know, as, as well, one of the main points that was brought up in the room um, earlier was really about the fact that our, our survey um, didn't have any black respondents or any mm. trans respondents. And there's a real yeah. issue there, just to bring it back to what, uh, Misa, what you were saying earlier about um, needing to find that kind of, ju just needing to improve uh, on, on reaching out to sort of engaging with other uh, minority groups and, uh, you know, within it to uh, to kind of... I don't know to to improve things yeah. on that front. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'll see what else in my notes. <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't know. I think that really, I mean, that really speaks to our industry as a whole. And I think it's something that the LGBT community within our industry can actually help with, mm -hmm. um, because I think although there is a way to go, we've come a long way in quite a fast period of mm -hmm. time. And I think some of that is to do with the fact that a lot of LGBT people in the industry have come from similar sorts of backgrounds to the mainstream people in the industry. So whilst initially we were a bit scary <laughs> because people didn't really know what LGBT meant um once people got over that it became quite easy to assimilate us into the real estate industry particularly some parts of LGBT I think we still you know at the B and the T end of that it's it's still tough tougher um but I think actually we can do a lot to open people's eyes to the experience of other minorities um, and I certainly would call on all LGBT people who have a position where they can do that to do that, um, because because our industry is is quite one dimensional, I think, still on from a ethnic diversity. I think there's that thing about leaning out, isn't there? It's like, who who's your friendship group? Who are the people in your team and connect and ask questions, be curious, because mm -hmm. I know I've had family members that when I was younger were um, homophobic I came out and they're like oh well that's different that's Kelly mm. and I and you see that across many aspects mm. of life where people have got a belief or a view and then they see somebody fit that description and go oh well that's different I know them personally I like them because they're good laugh or whatever and, and so I would hope that people would start to reach out and make more connections and and understand people more mm -hmm. That neatly brings us back to allyship and, and on an individual basis, I'm sure there are many people who have been reading our material about the survey and, and are listening, in fact, to this podcast, who will feel that they do want to do more to support their LGBTQ plus colleagues, both those that are already out at work and, and perhaps perhaps even more importantly, those that don't yet feel comfortable and doing so. So, uh, so Kelly, you have written uh, a brilliant comment piece for us this week um on allyship and so so what are the ways that people can really step up their efforts and help uh, make a truly inclusive workplace i think there's some small fundamentals of listening to people listening around and talking up um I, you can't ever underestimate the impact of speaking up for on behalf of somebody else as an ally when i train i often tell the story of um a, a moment at work years ago where there was something going on in the team we were out and I thought oh I've got to go and say something I, I don't like it. it's making me uncomfortable it's I, I need to address it in the back of my head I say oh god I'm going to get the comments of here Kelly goes the militant lesbian angry lesbian oh and then my my colleague tapped me on the shoulder and went don't worry Kelly I've got this I don't like it either mm. and she went over had a chat with the people who were sort of creating this situation completely nullified it 
and they they found it they couldn't challenge back in that oh you're being angry you're just sort of is don't take it so personally because mm. there was no comeback like that and yeah. I think that's mm. the value of speaking up in terms of I know there's a huge amount of fear from people what if I get it wrong uh, what if I say the wrong thing well you know what we're human we do I get it wrong um there was a incident earlier in the year with uh, Lisa Power um with the Grammys she misgendered Sam Smith mm-hmm. after their performance and she deleted the tweet Lisa Power deleted the tweet wrote an apology reposted the tweet and then she just said I did this I misgendered Sam Smith uh I'm really sorry and this is how we move on it really is as simple as that yeah. and it is as simple as that mm. sometimes we get it wrong we say sorry we, we learn we move on yeah it's just thinking about other people in the room you now when when I um first joined Lendlease one of my colleagues a senior person the COO uh, was in a meeting with me and a bunch of um sort of senior stakeholders public sector mm-hmm. people and for for various reasons the the as a woman in the room I was you know sometimes not getting my voice or you know I was being talked over and he literally just went oh I, I think I think Misa was saying something there or if somebody picked up my comment and, and yeah. used it he would just say I think Misa said that not in an aggressive way or a challenging way in a very mm. inclusive way and it just made me feel so included in that room now I'm not scared of getting my voice heard I've worked in male-dominated environments my whole career so mm-hmm. but it was just really nice not to have to think I've got a fight in this room somebody else has got my back uh fantastic and that, that's, that's inspirational to, to all of us to hopefully sort of do that more and and, and be conscious of that and and at a boardroom level, we we have it's important to note we have 21 firms this year named by respondents to the survey as exemplars, uh, and I should uh, don't want to miss anyone out, so I've got them written down. I'll do a quick roll call. So uh, uh, that's British Land, CBRE, Cushman and Wakefield, Eastlake Community Homes, uh, Fikes and Merlin Architects. Apologies if I've mispronounced that. Gerald Eve, Grosvenor, Hogan Lovells, JLL, Lansec, Lendlease, Mishkondorea, Montague Evans, Mount Anvil, NLA, Pinsent Masons, Savills, Shaftesbury, Taylor Wessing, TFT, and Westfield. Uh, so some some very familiar names there. Some some major players uh, in the industry. But for anyone out there listening um, whose firm is not on that list and they would like that their their business to reach that that status in future surveys what are the things that these companies are doing do you think that mark them out as exemplars and and what other steps would you like to see the best and the brightest businesses do to lead by example as as I work for a business that's on that list (laughs) give it a go um I, I think it's I think it's about visible you know being visible in the workplace and shortly after I joined company I'm at now we we do these periodic that's called 10 at 10 it's a, a talk about various issues usually EDI related or well-being related and they did a talk on the importance of being an ally and somebody in my team actually was on it I didn't actually know she's quite junior she was grad at the time um, was talking about the importance of being an ally and the importance of putting your pronouns on the bottom of your email now for me as a new person even though I've come in pretty senior that meant a huge amount to me because I thought you've got all these people in the company watching this 
you know, it's sanctioned by the powers that be. It's part of, you know, it's part of, of what we do. It doesn't take long, you know, 10 minute talk. That's all. Um, but actually, that makes a massive difference. And, mm. and I think if you can keep that sort of regularity and make it real, you know, not not sort of lip service. I, I think I think that's what people will uh, will call you out for. Yeah, they want it backed up by the policies. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's happening. I think there's been a number of companies in the past that have rainbow washed, particularly in June. They've um, sort of decorated uh, and put on great performances mm-hmm. for, for their um, staff or employees. But I think having having an ERG, which is supported all the year round, having the policies that support that, having somebody on the exec that champions it, that believes in it. I, I think we've all seen or spoken to exec sponsors where they sort of turn up for the five minutes that they have to then disappear out the door. You need to be authentic. We talk about being authentic, being our authentic selves in the workplace as role models, as so that we can do the best to of our ability. Well, a sponsor needs to be authentic as well and that's that starts to build the confidence in the business you think about those organizations on the list they've all got very significant sponsors within the organization the networks are up and running they support them throughout not just june there are events webinars that are open to other organizations there we can as freehold we can help we've certainly consulted with and we've, we've consulted with a few of those organizations when they were starting out on their lgbt mm-hmm. ERG journey. It's about sharing experience, but for me, it's all about the authenticity of the piece. Yeah, it's it's, it's not just a day or even a month important as those celebrations are. It's an all year round commitment. Yeah, sadly, sadly, I, um, it's that thing of you. I can't turn it off on the first of July. <laughs> I'm gay the whole year round. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one thing I just wanted to ask you about is that so as we sort of look at our our survey results over the years, we we sort of did note we sort of noticed that kind of gradual improvement of results that went backwards uh, during the the years of the pandemic. I just wanted to ask your thoughts as to what what impact COVID had and 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 why why you felt that the 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 figures did sort of drop during that period. I think people's well being dropped in that time. Mm. People were remote. People were for some people, not everyone, and there will be a lot of people that had positive experiences through their organisation. But equally, I think there are a number of people that felt disconnected. And it's, I think, disproportionately LGBTQ plus people uh, experience loneliness and and low mood. Um, And that can impact how they respond in the workplace. And money was, or budgets were moved into making sure that the organisations were functional. Uh, and sadly, I think that impacted the support that people could have for networks. And you think the visibility that we've spoken about is engaging with each other, whether it be meeting up in the workplace after work, going to a freehold event, that it's a very much about the connectivity. And we lost that for two years. And mm-hmm. um- Lastly, as, as we, we hope that the results are trending upwards again, um, what do you what do you hope we will see uh, when we perhaps uh, maybe meet again and discuss uh, the findings of next year's survey? What would you like uh, the the sort of next 
uh, development to be. And I, I used to work with people in capital markets, and I've, I think they're a very kind group of people with good hearts, but I think that they just need to show how good they are to people around them. I'd like to see an improvement there because it, it's funny, there was that comment on, on LinkedIn, um, which no, a number of people saw about uh, the anti-LGBT inclusion within the industry. And then there was a post a couple of weeks later where somebody said, property, this industry, it's all about people. And that's that's what it comes down to. This industry is all about people. We're better when we can all be ourselves. I think that's a, a wonderful sentiment to end it on. I don't think <laughs> we can we can have a, a better ending than that. So um, thank you very much uh, to Pui, Kelly uh, and Misa. Uh, for joining us to discuss the, the the results of this very important survey, um, and uh, I think there's there's a lot of useful uh, information there and, and material that people can take away, and hopefully they can go back into their workplaces and uh, help make them a much more diverse uh, and inclusive um, place uh, going forward. Um, so thank you again uh, to all of you, and uh, we will be back next week with another episode of EG Like Sunday Morning.